Hello, uh, welcome to Cannes. My name is Larry Dobrow. I am the editor-in-chief of MM&M, and I'm thrilled to be here with our friends from Purple Lab today. We're going to talk a little bit about audience segmentation. And joining me are Ted Sweetser, who is the head of advertising, and Hannah Lucas, who is the director of project management advertising. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, let's start out in the most basic way possible, as usual. Um, audience segmentation in health. Um, where are we right now in its long genesis? So, you know, we, we think about the evolution of healthcare advertising um, as, as one of, you know, probably like 10 or more stages, you know, like the, the very basic components of it on the physician side with segmentation by specialty. You know, you look back to around 2000 or so when the AMA was really putting out its data sets um, and people would license that to just say like, well, I, I need to, you know, hit a endocrinologist, you know, because presumably they're, they're treating uh, CKD or whatever. Um, but we, you know, like have evolved since then. So Purple Lab has been focused on bringing in claims data and, and building out layer upon layer of analysis on top of that. So, you know, like if the first version was I need to reach all doctors, so I'm going to buy on endemics. The second version is I'm going to get specialty targeting. Um, so I'm going to license a file of, you know, just basic specialty information, which anyone can go and do now using uh, NPES. The NPI information is, is publicly available. Um, the layer on top of that comes when you start to get claims data in and you start to ask, can I find real-world data points to inform, you know, outside of just taxonomy, who's actually treating the patients that matter for my care pathway? And that's where, you know, you got you know, the version three of this, which is, I think, an industry norm at this point, which is, you know, deciling based on volume of claim activity. Um, that's been up and running. People have been doing that for probably about 10 years now at this point. Purple Lab is... Uh, played a substantial role in making that more diffuse throughout the industry, easier to access in a lot of ways through various partners. Um, but we still th see a couple layers on top of that where you can get really particular. So, you know, working with claims data, a huge one for us has always been understanding the relationship of insurance channel um, and the role that plays in market access for particular drugs. So being able to additionally segment on top of that, you know, can I reach physicians who are treating primarily Medicare and Medicaid versus commercial patients? Can I give them messaging that's specific about you know, the uh, prior auth or other requirements that their plans might carry in order to make sure they're aware and comfortable with getting the patients what they need uh, to get a drug approved for treatment? Um, and then on top of that, the other area uh, that we see a lot of use for is, is predictive analytics. So you know, if you look at it's, it's a funny thing. We, we have these tools in our system that allow you to, to run a report really easily and see, you know, a million data points uh, about, you know, a particular therapeutic area. The important thing is knowing which ones to look at. Um, so, like, you look at the, the old system of deciling stuff, um, and, you know, you'll see two doctors who both did the same volume of activity in the last three years, so they both fall into high decile. You might say, okay, both of these doctors are the same. Where we get a little more predictive is you say, let's start doing trend line analysis of year over year, did those doctors uh, increase or decrease the amount of patients they were seeing? 
and are they consistently falling into that high category? Or is one of these doctors actually declining in practice, but they were very, you know, engaged three years ago, and the other one is actually, you know, taking off um, and and probably going into much more full practice and treatment for this category. So, you know, I say probably six to ten additional layers of segmentation technologies out there that we think can really add a lot to understanding where a physician falls in treatment for a given category or indication. Um, and being able to combine that really easily um, is, is what makes you know, for, for intelligent segmentation in the healthcare space for providers. The importance of data-driven strategies. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Why is it so important to make sure that we get the data part of this correct? In our industry, um, we're not able to understand effectiveness of our marketing campaigns unless we start with the data, right? So um, you need to have a baseline, um, and increasingly um, we want to make sure that that baseline is um, the data that we're looking at as robust as possible, right? So Purple Lab sees I th- 5 billion plus claims annually, and we have a platform that allows us to um, look at, in a privacy-safe, de-identified way, um, the patients and HCPs that are doing specific prescribing, diagnosing, and procedural actions. Um, And so what we're really excited about is, um, you know, extending these types of insights into the advertising space and structuring, um, you know, the way that we're working with these companies in a way that is flexible to how they're, um, you know, how they're planning an activation, um, you know, activities are going. Um, So, you know, I think... We're, we're increasingly seeing them take this insight, these insights and have unlimited queries in our platform and come up with really creative ways of, of using that data. Mm-hmm. Um, to that end, how difficult is it to do this, um, not just after the fact, but at all stages of the campaign? How difficult is it to like implement data-driven strategies? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's... It is a requirement for our industry. It's kind of a, the price um, of admission at this point. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. the price of admission, but um, difficulty level is real. Um, I mean, when we're looking at um, real-world data that's coming in, um, there's so much to understand. There's tons of different vocabularies. Um, you have to match all of the, all the different data sources together to come up with a single um, you know, language that they're all speaking. And so one of the things that our platform does is it, it does that all for you. So you can go in and um, you know, query things very easily. Um, yeah. The, interoper- the interoperability piece. Basically. Yes, we're creating that interoperability of all these different uh, data sources. Yeah. Like our goal is to Organizations across the healthcare space are at very different levels of sophistication in terms of their ability to to work with data. Um, At the root level, healthcare claims coding is monstrously complex. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a dozen different medical vocabularies. You're talking about, you know, in our case, 14 different sources of data at this point, which feed in with different levels of latency due to underlying claims adjudication. You need people who have experience in interpreting what claims mean, otherwise you'll get some really naive results. So we, as, as Hannah said, we, we step on top of, of all of that. We try and um, create simplified views for people who are trying to actually just get the answer uh, while still being able to provide the underlying data for people who are trying to build out like a really complex real-world data clean room application, something like that. Um, because like our, our whole goal, and going back to like the importance of data-driven uh, thinking in the planning stage, is 
we think that the cost to ask a question uh, about the healthcare space is way too high. Um, and when that happens, you know, you end up in a consultancy model where you mm -hmm. farm a question out to some very smart people who you pay a lot of money to. They go away for three to nine weeks. They come back with an answer. If you have a, a follow-up question, if you want to tweak that, you know, you could be looking at yet another delay. Yeah. So our goal is to reduce the cycle time by allowing people to ask those questions themselves in a, in an environment that makes it easier and, and much more cost-effective to test a bunch of hypotheses. And this is this is where it connects to, to planning. Really, is um, you know, a campaign when executed is you know to borrow from the, the scientific side of what we do. It's a hypothesis about the best way a market is going to react. And that's why when we talk about optimization or stuff like that, what you're doing is you're tweaking your initial hypothesis based on you know, further data you collect throughout the course of the campaign. But you know, like to that point, your first hypothesis has got to be really on the mark, uh, or those oh, optimizations are going to be like a total overhaul. Mm -hmm. So like the, the importance of data-driven thinking at that stage is you need to be able to say, like, give me uh, a half dozen, a dozen different theories of the case of, of how engagement for this, you know, particular medication for this indication for this category is going to run. And, you know, like one example from our, our uh, pharma team from Shannon mm -hmm. that I always go back to is we were talking to uh, some very smart people at a pharma company who were saying, you know, like we treat in this category um, for which there is a, a specialty area as much of healthcare in the United States has shifted heavily to yeah, right deep there. specialization. So we think that we always need to talk to these specialists to, to you know, get the medication prescribed because they're you know, diagnosing all the patients. So Shannon went in and she was analyzing the data and she was saying, they are diagnosing the patients, but when we actually look on the script side of things, it's the GPs that the patients go back to who are writing the maintenance medication which you're trying to promote. You are you have a hypothesis which is correct about which doctors are involved in the initial diagnosis, but if you actually want to change and get you know, adoption and adherence to your medication, you need to talk to the doctors who are actually supporting those patients on a day-to-day -day basis. So by making it easier to go back and interrogate those premises, you can really form the best possible strategy going in which is going to you know, drive better results. That's an example of this working out right. Uh, what, what does it look like when it doesn't go quite as well? Uh, what can Purple Lab do to correct that? Yeah, so um, I mean, a part of this ties into metrics and figuring out how exactly a thing is going right or not going yeah. right. Degrees of um, right, degrees of wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but like a, a big part of, of correcting for that is altering and shifting targeting. Um, so we work on both the consumer and the physician side of things. I've, been biased towards the physician because there's a lot more granularity of analysis you can do on a physician level um, because you know we take privacy very seriously. Um, but in terms of altering a campaign strategy, say understanding the media mix uh, and shifting from you know one channel to another, or you know interrogating a, a classic one, <laughs> a classic one of when a campaign goes wrong is um, if people are on like that old school licensing model where you buy a list yeah. for a very large sum of money. <laughs> you become very emotionally attached to the list because you paid for it. You paid for it and you know the budget for it is now zero. So you're gonna hold on to that thing. So you'll we'll see lists that are several years out of date. Um, and you know people go like I have to have this match rate, I have to have that match rate of X percent. And they'll you know throw stuff up there and you know 
match rates are bad or they're not able to effectively reach their audience. And you know, you go back and you look at the list and you say, this is outdated. You're missing new entrants who are trading in this category. You're trying to target some people who retired a couple years ago. So like the first way that we correct for that is, you know, being able to, to match data and validate that, you know, the targeting hypothesis a client has, you know, brought or has had brought to them is a correct one. And then from there, you know, to recommend alternatives very easily because it, you know, it's it's cheap for us to go in and figure out what is the best, you know, approach? Who are the relevant physicians? What are the characteristics of the patient population that are, you know, relevant for, for this campaign? And so we can create alternative audiences, consumer or physician, um, to shift that strategy uh, mid-campaign. Yeah, yeah, we definitely pride ourselves on freshness of audiences and segmentation. Um, you know, we work very closely with our methodology team to make sure that, um, you know, changes in clinical coding are getting reflected in um, our audiences on a regular basis. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you said. Um, let's talk uh, KPIs. Um, what are the ones that matter most when you're measuring? Um, and how do we incorporate them during the campaign rather than after the fact when we're in kind of a, you know, analysis, what went right, what went wrong mode? Yeah, I think that is... The too late phase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is uh, the key. What you said right there is that we're focused on... Um, you know, it's really good to measure a campaign after the fact, but what are the KPIs that we can enable advertisers to optimize? Um, so uh, we have a few different, um, you know, metrics that we can share. One being um, when you're deploying an audience, you have this hypothesis that Ted was talking about, about who your audience is. You deploy the audiences. Um, that process of deploying it creates noise, right? So for patients, that becomes a modeled audience, likely. There's some noise in there, necessarily. But then you deploy it to a platform, and that has to match to cookies and maids, and so it gets really messy. Um, so one of the first things that um, we believe advertisers should be doing is measuring their audience quality on a very regular and frequent basis. Do, I, so, do, do they do that on a regular basis? Is that something they need to be told to do? I think that many are. Um, I think one of the challenges is uh, the time lag to get that data initially yeah. sometimes. So that's kind of where we're focused is um, how can we get that happening earlier and more regularly? Um, you know, and then beyond that, you know, lift measurement is sort of an ROI is where everyone wants to go, right? So that's kind of where you're you're headed towards. But on on the journey there, um, we really are hoping to, um, you know, provide metrics about what's going on with the total market and and prescription um, medication that you're maybe trying to advertise for, right? So. Um, you're running this campaign, you're likely reaching a subsegment of the total patient or HCP population. What's going on while you're running this campaign? Are you seeing any correlation in your spend to the outcomes of uh, written prescriptions or even diagnosis as an early signal to where a prescription might be written? Um, so we're able to provide those metrics on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, I think a, a big part of the, the KPI question is also um, understanding what the, the real end objective of the campaign is and being able to, to have a metric specific to that. So like the workhorse of the industry is is NRX and TRX, so new scripts, total patients. Um, we've done a lot of work in trying to build out a, a wider set of, of data tools which can create, you know, actual or proxy metrics for a, a much wider slew of things. So you're trying to understand you know, like, am I converting physicians to, you know, a medication? 
we can automatically look back two years and say, okay, this doctor is writing for your script for the first time. Um, NRX is, is one that you know uh, some of our data science team people always joke about because um, a prescription fill is, you know, uh, uh, NRX is typically when a fill count is zero on your prescription. But if you're on a chronic medication, if it's a question of adherence, you know, you may have filled a prior prescription, you know, and just exhausted that and needed to go back to the doctor. The one I go to as an example is um, a lot of medications for ADHD um, are, you know, single fill only because of, you know, DEA guidelines. Yeah. yeah. So every script is a new script there. Um, so we build out other metrics that look back into the, you know, patient token history to see has there been a script filled by this patient for this medication before. Um, outside of just the, the, you know, the drug stuff, um, you know, looking at do I want to try and drive referrals? Am I interested in understanding the association between facility and doctor and advertising? Um, we've, we've built stuff across the spectrum there um, that really allows you to align measurable factors with those KPIs. You can actually start to care about you know, what matters instead of just measuring with the yardstick you, you brought with you. How, how open is the industry to some better <laughs> measurement solutions. You know, obviously, uh, you know, TRX has been around for however long. I mean, is the industry open-minded to this, or is there still a little bit like, well, you know, this is the way we've always done it, this is the way we're going to keep doing it? Yeah, I think people are, are looking for new solutions. You know, like Deep Intent, I know, released yeah. some uh, metrics inside of their platform uh, for tracking things. As far as our approach, you know, we're, we're really focused on being a data provider. We're not a, a DSP of our own. So in conversations with partners in the, the tech side of things, there's a lot of interest, I think, in, in being able to, you know, bring that same metrics and, and measurement viewability into, into, you know, whatever environment is most fit for the client's purpose. Um, and again, I think a big part of that is just, you know, that there is a one-size-fits-all methodology for how everything is going to be measured. You know, now with our ability to push data around, whether that's through, you know, working with uh, Datavant, who's a big partner of ours, or LiveRamp or something else, you know, we can move data in a privacy-safe fashion in an easy-to-work-with format exactly where it needs to go to actually measure the things that you care about rather than just, you know, received wisdom. I think the macro trend also, if we step back away from the healthcare space and just into sort of the advertising space in general, there's a shift away from some of these legacy metrics like, you know, uh, CTR, for example, right? So I think, um, you know, advertisers have embraced that change, and so that's sort of starting to trickle down into some of the, um, you know, the true measurement healthcare KPIs as well. Yeah. So actually, that, that's a good reminder. We were joking with uh, some people we were having dinner with last night about, you know, CTR. Uh, and yeah, click all these old metrics, which are still in use in a lot of cases, even though everyone's like, what is the meaningful value of a click? And <laughs> preserving that as, as a, a metric is, is somewhat funny. Um, but, you know, like what we saw, at least in Hannah's experience prior working at an agency and my experience working at a, another company was, you know, like, 
viewability became the next standard. Um, and so now, you know, you have viewability written in everywhere because it became rather easy to implement and people could understand it and there's a real value there. We want to make the same thing possible for healthcare specific metrics where you should be able to, to have a metric that's specific to, you know, the campaign type you're running and the outcome you're trying to get. And you should be able to write that into your, you know, um, agency order form for you know someone to execute on. Yeah, the key for us is providing alternative options because otherwise the legacy metrics continue to get used. So that's where we're focused. <laughs> you know, uh, innovation is scary. Change is scary. Sometimes you actually have to shove a little bit to make it work. Um, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, DE&I. Um, what are some of the most must-have components for organizations that are incorporating DEI into their strategy? Um, how does this play into some of the other issues that we've spoken about so far? So, you know, the the healthcare industry has um, is very familiar with regulation, right? And I think, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to just be on a panel where we had a lot of different um, voices talking about how their companies from agencies um, to data onboarders are trying to go above and beyond that sort of bare minimum of here, my, my campaigns are compliant. It's, we're in a, a world where um, these companies are developing their own task force around DE&I. Um, so I think, I think that's very powerful and um, you know, something that, again, going back, we're a data company. So we're trying to empower and enable other companies to come up with innovative ways to tackle these things. Um, one of the ways that we're doing that is, I mentioned we have, um, you know, the sort of vast amount of claims data um, that relates to patients and, uh, you know, de-identified patients and HCPs. Um, we're able to, for the majority of that data, um, enrich it with eight different social determinants of health variables. Um, so things like race, ethnicity, urban versus rural, um, you know, marital status. So, um, you know, we're really excited by the advertisers who are embracing those data points and starting to analyze them alongside some of their more traditional ways of looking at their patient populations. It makes all the sense in the world to do it that way, too, right? right. All right, just one last question for you both, and um, it's kind of an unfair one given how much the future has changed after the uh, pandemic took over the world for a while. What's next? Um, if we're having this conversation again a year from now, um, what do you both expect to be telling me? Um, what do you both hope to be telling me about Purple Lab, your business, and the uh, industry writ large? So, you know, I think we're doing a little moment of like collective vision boarding yeah. here, right? Mm -hmm. um, relating to the DEI piece, I think. Um, we're, we're really hopeful that agencies um, and ad tech providers start to take this data into their own hands, that we're collectively able to make sure that this data can continue to exist um, in a world where we can use it to further health equity. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited for what the future holds. Yeah, like, and I think you said it in the, the prior conversation, but, like, meaningfully, for, for DE&I to actually factor into, you know, the planning process where there is a stage where you say, like, have we considered and factored in, you know, say that elderly patients are unlikely to be mobile device users as frequently. So we are adding in some, you know, linear TV to the mix or whatever. Um, but just an evaluation stage where you say we need to make sure we're addressing um, disadvantaged communities of one kind or another and are actually trying to activate um, to reach them, um, which is both a, a social and, you know, a, it's a, a 
makes business sense as well. When you look at how you know, underserved communities may not be aware uh, or able to access benefits, uh, this flows across both you know, commercial awareness campaigns and follow-up efforts to try and, and address systemic inequities of access. Um, you know, a, a really good planning agency should be saying, like, step one, define the outcomes we're trying to get. Step two, drop the general plan. Step three, do we have line items for, you know, audiences that we want to engage um, that will really speak to those specific SDOH groups? Um, the other thing we want to see in the next year, if we're vision boarding here, um, is we've been building all of these tools that make it much easier to access the data. Historically, we've always, you know, operated with a lot of partners. We'd love for people to start actually just picking up and using the tools themselves. Um, so that's why we're here. <laughs> this was terrific. Thank you so much. This was a wonderful education for me, and I love this conversation. Thank you. For MM&M, I'm Larry Dobrow. Many thanks for watching, and be well.